But thank you for your faithfulness. It means so much to me. Oh, you reminded me of something. You have a picture back there, Brian, before everybody moves. I want to show you something. I, we brag on our kids. Now, these two, I'm telling you, if you think children's church isn't different with those two guys in there right now, that's nationals, and that's first and third place. That's the Casey boys. You'll be hearing more of them. <clears throat> yeah. I walked in this morning, and I heard one of them say, I think I can take him in three minutes. Oh, boys, I'm your pastor. Right. Isn't that wonderful? My goodness. That's scholarship time, honey. That's what, that's what my son says. I said, you like, you like Zion Wrestling? He said, I like that scholarship offer. Congratulations. I'll brag out on our kids every time we need, we can. Dakota, I probably need another picture of you two back there riding your horses. You haven't updated me in a while. Thank you now. Will you preach with me? Will you all preach with me here? Praise God. Thank you so much. How about you all? Will you do the same? Let me ask you very quickly. Our ushers are standing. If you're a first-time visitor, just raise your hands. All you have to do is just say, I am a first-time visitor. Anybody here? Oh, man, this is home folk. Well, praise God. If you're a first-time visitor online, God bless you, and come back tonight at 5 o'clock. Now, typically it's at 6, but 5 o'clock this evening, be with us, and we're going to have a time. Gina, I want to tell you how much I appreciate it. I meant to say it every week. Those flowers don't just pop up there. That's work, and she does it. Praise God, and I thank you so, so very much for that. I want to, just before I preach, I want to pray one more time. I want to pray for a very, uh, this man's famous, but you wouldn't know. He doesn't act like he's famous. But in Southern Gospel Music, he's a legend. His name is Joel Hemphill. Now, he's written some of the greatest songs in Southern Gospel Music over the many years. All the Hall of Fames and everything. This week, his wife Christy called me and said, Pastor, you need to pray for Joel. He's going in for kind of an emergency surgery. And so we prayed while I was down there in Alabama, and we were praying. And we just need everything to start coming alive and his intestines and everything to start working so we can get him out of the hospital. But I believe God will do it, and I believe he's going to help us to help them. Would you agree with me right now for Joel Hemphill? Christy, if you all are watching online in Nashville, Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for this great, great man of God. In Jesus' name, Father God, to touch Joel and God awaken him in such a way, Lord, that he can go home. That he can go home and recovery. God, thank you for your guidance so far. Thank you for your help. Accelerate the healing in this man of God. He's got more songs in him to sing and to write. Bless him and his wife in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I've got to find my dollar glasses. Aren't those nice for a dollar? I'm not advertising the dollar store, but they do work good. I paid a lot more for the other ones. Get to preaching. Okay. This is the year of battle, and it's the year of victory. <clears throat> Pastor, that's all you've been preaching about. That might be all you hear this year. How many know it's better to be prepared for the battle than get in the middle of it and go, what are we going to do now? Amen? Preparation, spiritually, is the greatest medicine you can have because you go into something 
Maybe not knowing what the next day or moment holds, but God does, and he gives you insight. Here's the thing about God, the God we serve, that's so incredible. And you see, beside him, there is no other gods. Amen? There's one God. Let's get that right. Somebody say amen. And God in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all that there is. All these other terms that we hear gods on are not gods. They're false gods. And if they're not from God, they're from the enemy. So they are satanic in their origin. You're saying everything that's a false god come from Satan? Yes. Every one of them. He has a, a can. I call it this. I, I made this one up. I like it. It's the same can, just a different wrapper. But it's all full of poison. It's the same thing. You say, well, you're so narrow-minded. I hope to tell you you're looking at probably the most narrow-minded human you'll ever meet in your life. Because the Word of God says there's one God, but He says He's a God to everyone. All the time. Any and everyone, he's the same, but he's available to everyone. And when he said in the scripture, whosoever, he's saying a conclusive term in Arabic, if you look at it there, or if you look at it in Latin or Greek, even in Hebrew, it means all people, and it also talks about all time. So when he says whosoever, that means anyone who comes to him, well, what if he doesn't? They don't know. How do we know how God operates? I believe God has a way of letting people know who he is that he hasn't let us in on. Can anybody say amen? You know, God loves everyone the same. I saw some of you wish, I wish he loved me. He does. Not only does he love you, he likes you. Now that's, (laughs) I had a couple ants I loved, but I didn't like them. No, that's not true. Our family's always been close. Well, except for, yeah. It's different. God likes you, and he loves you, and he's for you. That's an incredible thing. I can tell by your faces, some of you have, you know. Did you just have a stroke while I was watching you, or have you had it late? Smile, somebody, would you? We're in the house of God. We're in a place where there's help and hope and future in this house through the power of God. This is the year of battle. We know that, 2024. It's also, at the same token, it's the year of victory. And we know that the scripture that every week that we see is the battles the Lord's. And so here we are. We're in the course of a year that's coming that we have no idea what the year holds. But I do know this and I do see this, that it seems like godliness, godless, godlessness, not godly, godlessness, less of God, seems to be becoming greater in our country. We seem to be pulling back from the need or the association with God. There's no public speaking at all, by the media, it's banned to have any form of toxic talk about Jesus. Isn't that sad that we would think that in America? So we can't do that, and it seems like we're going, to, that our new God has become mental health. We have mental health experts, but we have mental health experts that need mental health 
to themselves. Ask my wife. She's a professional. Without the presence and spirit of God in your life, you don't have anything. Could have said all that and just said that one sentence. He is our strength. He's our healer. Gary, he is our healer. Raise your hand to me. We know that. He's our deliverer. My goodness. Brother Bud plays the bass on Wednesday night again. That's the sweetest thing I ever heard in my life when he got up there and hit that bass. I went, that's Brother Bud. Doctor said he was gone. God said, no, that's not true. Doctor gave the diagnosis, but I have the conclusive statement. That's true in everything in your lives. Well, in this battle, I've talked to you about how we approach a battle, how we perceive or see a battle, how we're involved in the battle, how God's involved in the battle. But let's talk about your identity in the battle today, okay? Somebody say, okay. That gives me time to get my paper separated that I thought I had separated. Your identity in the battle. It seems like, I don't think it seems like, it's a fact that we have a thing called an identity crisis in America today. And we even drag little kids down it. I, I can't believe when I see some of the stuff that's going on that parents have told their children enough to where kids, little kids are being manipulated by an enemy that's trying to destroy their soul. And they're doing it through society and through society's attempts to create morals and norms. But when you try to recreate something that God created, you have a false identity. Amen? In, in schools in spring, for the very school, high school that our kids started out in, have boxes in the bathroom with kitty litter in them for kids that don't know if they're a human or an animal in Springfield, Missouri. Now, I'm telling you, if you don't know if you're a kitty cat or a princess, you got an identity problem. But we're encouraging free thought, free ideas, free thinking, free, th free thinking. I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 32 today, and I'm going to talk to you about what happens when we have identity crisis and the results and then the, the cure for that particular situation. You see, I believe this, and I want uh, church to listen to me. If you're watching online, listen closely. That I believe this year the Holy Spirit is speaking in terms more clearly and drawing people to Jesus in a greater way than we've ever seen in the history of the world. Because I believe we're living in the very last days of the closing of time. Well, I hear you say it, Pastor, and I believe you, but I just don't feel it. Well, look around. Watch the news. Watch the news. Look what's going on. Listen to what's happening. If you ever read the Word of God, Look at that. Go back in the archives of our church and all of those services. Every service that we have here, 
right now today, all the way back for I don't know how long, is archived. You can go back through. Go back through the Wednesday nights from Revelation chapter 1 to 21 that I preached on and talked about the book of Revelation. Then go to Daniel. We've gone, and Pastor Benai did a masterful job this week, and I'm going to finish with 11 and 12 coming this week and next week. But we look at the times, and we look at the circumstances, and we look at the situation, then we look at that in light of the Word of God. And it, you'd have to be completely unaware of anything not to see a correlation between the Word of God and the condition of the world we're in today. <clears throat> But this is the great thing about a child of God. When you know your identity, there's so many things associated from God's promises for those that know their identity that gives you peace in a world that's in trouble. How can you have peace in a world that's in trouble like this? You can have peace only through the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you. That's why I am preaching and teaching you so much in this year that I'm going to about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we know that when we're saved, <clears throat> that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We become a temple of the Holy Spirit. If you, and I know that's truth. Would you say amen to that? We also know that there's an experience that Jesus talked to us in Acts chapter 2 called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives us power and authority. And I can tell you what, if you've ever experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's a life changer. Well, I wouldn't say before, yes, you were saved. Were I going to heaven? Yes, but why not go in power? Amen? That changes your perspective of the battle. It changes your involvement in the battle. That experience changes your identity in who you are because of the active response from the Holy Spirit in you as you're worshiping and praising him. So let's again go back to chapter 32. And in chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, here's a story where the people, listen to verse 1 in this, chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, this is Mount Horeb, Sinai, the same place, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron, this is his brother, and he said, and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's become of him. They said, we've been led to this point, but Moses took a break. He walked away. Moses went on Mount Horeb for one reason. He received the laws that would give them definition to go forward into the promise. Now listen to me. There has to be definition and defined boundaries in anything in life. And it's not being wrong or any odd thinking to believe that Christianity has boundaries. Amen? But those boundaries are for our protection. They are for blessings. They're not bars on a, a, on a jail cell. They're blessings to us that when we reach that boundary, God says, don't go further because of this reason. You'll get in trouble. No. You're breaking my law. No. 
is because outside of that boundary, you're not under my protective custody and bad things can happen. So stay under my protective custody. That's when Psalms 91 says that he who dwells in the secret place. Do you know what that word means also? Have you ever heard the term ark? The ark of the covenant? And Noah's ark. That ark word means a secret place. It's all it means. A sacred place. And here he's saying this. In Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place. The ark. Secret place. Under the shadow, under my shadow, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He means your protective custody is found in that sacred place, and that's the Word of God. We have that protection. And these people saw God. Think about this. They saw ten absolutely supernatural, unbelievable things that happened that, could, that defied nature completely defied everything that could have been. They witnessed it, and then they saw the hand of the death angel and saw the power of the blood. These people saw everything that showed them the necessity for sacrifice and blood offerings. They saw them the necessity for the timing of God, when to leave, the provision of God when they're in the desert. Now they're here, and God says to Moses, come up here on the sacred mountain, Mount Sinai or Horeb, and I'm going to give you the law. I'm, in fact, the word of God says that he, with the hand of God, wrote on two tablets these commandments that they were to follow. They were confines. Listen to me. The confines of religiosity are the law, and the law is, is, is too confining. But the love of God, the confines of the love of God that surrounds us and tells us the difference between sin and righteousness is his protective custody for you and I. And we should appreciate what God says about sin and about righteousness. They said, this guy's up on the mountain. They were already saying, like, he's a replacement. Who is he? Where'd he go? So we need something <clears throat> that we can see, that we can follow, because we couldn't wait on God. Now, I know there's not a person here other than myself that's overshot God's runway. <clears throat> well... What I say to you this morning, it's Ray's birthday tomorrow. Yeah. And he said how old he was, and I said, liar, liar, pants on fire. And so I'm telling you this morning, if you haven't overshot God's runway, L-L-P-O-F, you too. The timing of God is everything. I have a saying God gave me. I didn't write it and read it in a book or find it. But God's timing is more important than the actual event you're praying for. Because in God's timing, he does everything right. And for us, our timing causes problems. They're already ready. So they ask Aaron. They go to Aaron and they polish his wagon. Boy, Aaron, you're the greatest. Moses is gone. We don't know what to do or where to go. You show us. And so in his own ability, he goes, well, um, bring me all your gold rings and earrings. That's all I want. Just keep the rest of your gold. 
So they come, and they put in this big thing, and he melts it down. And the Bible says that with tools, with carving tools, he, engraving tools, he, he takes all the gold, and he fashions, this is verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a engraving or a graving tool and made a golden calf out of it. This is what Aaron did. They said, give us a God. He goes, I'll give you a God. I'll make him shiny. I'll make him valuable, which is a relative term. What's gold to God? But to man, you see, in man's eyes, it looked like everything you would want. Everything you could follow, everything that would mean anything to you, a golden calf. My goodness. And then they go, and here's where they make the mistake. And then they said this, and he received, this is verse 4, he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, here is where it all went south. These are, look at this, these are your gods, plural. What do I say to do? Read how? Slowly. This is a very important point. It didn't say this is your God. It said these are. We went to these multiple gods. That means whatever you want to do in your life, you've got a God that's associated with that want. Now there is that famous Hebrew word I've taught you, baloney, that comes into play there. Can somebody say baloney? Amen. These are the gods, look at this. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This absolutely blasphemed every one of those ten plagues. It blasphemed the death angel. It blasphemed the blood of the lamb. And this, was, this is the ultimate, there was only one other place I believe in Judges chapter 4 or 7 where it said, and they did what they wanted to do in their own eyes. It was the ultimate blasphemy against a nation that trusted God and that was chosen by God. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and Aaron made like, like he's innocent. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now this is reading slow. A feast to not the God, not the calf, not the goal. But that is the Yahweh term, the Elohim. L-O-R, capital L, capital O-R-D. That is saying we're going to mix a God we've created and the rules we've made with the God we love and he's going to accept it. How many people today do that? They tell God what's right and wrong in their confines and God's just got to accept it. I could live this way and I'm going to live this way, but they'll talk God all day long, but they're doing it the way they want to, under the boundaries they want to, 
in the way they want to. And folks, I, you have no idea when people come to me and say, I want to talk to you about something spiritually. And when they do, I start listening, and all of a sudden, golden calves start going boing, boing. It's all over my head because I'm saying, is that your way or God's way? I don't question them. I let them get it all out. Because I will find, tell you, it's hard to reason with a drunk person. Oh, they were intoxicated, not with alcohol. They're intoxicated with themselves. It's worse than any drug you'll ever put in your body. Tomorrow we're going to have, be a, have a fast to the Lord. We're going to mix the deity that I've created or our idea of a God that's going, that, that we're giving all the credit to. And then we're going, we're going to say, God, here, you've got to accept this. Put that to your lives. I've done it. I've done things that I wanted to do, and I just went to the Lord and said, Lord, here's what I'm going to do, and, and, and thank you for blessing it. And I know in the back of my mind, it's not. So I've, I've labeled a few different kinds of identities. This first one is called a mixed identity. When you have a mixed identity... A feast to the Lord with a false God, you're confused spiritually. Amen? So they rose up early the next day, and they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down and ate and drank and rose up to play. Man, they, they went through the stuff. And so God has to bless that. No, he doesn't. I'm bringing it down to a point. God does not have to bless that. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Second identity is a false identity. First one was a mixed identity. Now they're going into a false identity. They have corrupted their thinking. If you look in the world we're living in today and use that word identity, there's an identity crisis because we have so many forms of identity in our world that we're saying is okay. People by the millions are going to church today, but they're living in a false or a mixed identity. They're saying that we can have gay marriages in church. That isn't true. That's against the word of God and his protective custody of the sacredness of marriage. It's against the reproductive process of God that causes us to reproduce and be a nation. It stops those things. They're antichrist in nature. And when we listen to those things and don't understand what they are, then or even try to accept them to some point, well, I'm, I, I'm not sure how I feel, then you're, you're living in two different forms of identity. You're living in a false uh, uh, identity or you're living in a mixed identity or you've lost your identity. Am I right? Well, if you preach that, you're, you're uh, 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 what do they call them, a terrorist. You know, I'll take a chance on being called anything to save someone from hell. 
And if we don't tell the truth, we don't tell the truth in meanness. We don't tell the truth in hatred. I don't hate I love Jesus. I love people. But I see people that are living under that false identity, that lost identity, and that mixed identity. And they are telling God what his rules and his confines are and what righteousness is. And I'm going, oh, God, open up a door for them to listen. Because when your identity is lost or your identity is a false identity or your identity is mixed. You cannot hear or comprehend. It's like an intoxication. And God has to open your mind up just for a moment to receive the truth. And in that moment, we have little windows that God gives us when we witness to people, that God gives us those windows. And we have to have the power. This is, again, the power and the wisdom and the strength of the Holy Spirit to know this is the time to speak. Because this is the opportunity that God's giving people. <clears throat> Go down. Because the people you brought out of Egypt corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. And they have made for themselves, look at this, a golden calf. And have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are the gods. O Israel, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine Moses is in the middle of a revival. I mean, he's on Sinai. The Shekinah, which is like a cloud of God, has covered the presence of God. The Spirit of God is so rich and so powerful that when he came off the mountain, his face was actually shining. It was shining, glowing because of the glory of God. He's having the greatest time. God, he sees the laser finger of God right out the commandments on two complete, incredible tablets of stone that God picks out and writes them. He's doing great. And all of a sudden, God says, you better get back down there. Because those folks have just made a golden calf. And they're saying that that golden calf is me. And they're saying that this golden calf is the answer for everything in your life. And I'm going to tell you something today. That golden calf is alive in a well today in America and in our neighborhoods that they're saying, I'm your answer. I'm the way to do it. I look good. I sound good. I, I even look expensive. It looks everything authentic. But it's not God. And if it's not of God, it is false in its nature. God teaches us. He shows us. He gives us that direction. Oh, pastor, you're being hard. No. I'm being loving. I'm caring. I'm saying don't listen to the lies that's permeated the church. I'm not even preaching to the world now. I'm preaching to the church that's made false gods, their own God, their way, and saying this is what God says. There is no sin. There is absolutely no sin that exists that we can justify. Why? I can tell you why. Because Jesus came and gave his blood that all sin would be covered and forgiven. There's no sin we can justify. He's made 
atonement or paid the price for all sin. So we can't do it. You can't say, well, I'm, a, you know, this is really funny. When I was a kid, people that heard my name, this is Sam Conley. He's Irish because he's redheaded. Now, don't laugh. I was actually redheaded one time. You just wait, you redheads. You go from red to pink to white, and I've, I've been through all three. All that redheaded Conley, we know he's Irish. I'm going, yeah, I, was, I would be if I spelled my name C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y. But what do you do with this K-A-U-N name that I have that's Jewish, and I have Jewish blood, and I'm a Con, not a Connolly, I'm not an Irish boy, because they always thought my hot temper was because I was Irish. So I can't say, well, it's my family's nature. That is baloney. It's my heritage. That's baloney. All these things that we see that people try to use are little tiny false gods. They're little golden calves that we try to put up there and make it work with the God that we serve. It doesn't work. Listen to me. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. They've made this. So Moses hears this news. He's going, what? I've been gone 40 days and 40 nights. And in 40 days, after all those plagues, in 40 nights, after all the things that happened, the manna that feeds us, the water out of the rock, the fact that our clothes don't even get dirty, our shoes don't wear out. There's a cloud that guides us at day and shields us at day and warms us at night. What in the world? In 40 days, they've fallen. Okay, here's the part that really irritates people. Now, if you're not here this morning because you can't be in church and you're watching online, this is not for you. But if you're here this morning and you thought you're just joining us online, it's for you. And it's for me and everyone that's here. Let me tell you why church is important. Because here's why church is important. Church is important for relationship. See, Jesus told us, as we come closer to the end of time, Make every effort you can make to be in the house of God. Well, I don't think I have to. There you go. There's your golden calf. I don't think. You know what God spoke to me one time and said, and I'm working on it. He said, there's something I want you to lose. I said, what's that? He said, your opinion. <laughs> Woo. Now, that sounds easy. So I want all of you just to do what he told me. Lose your opinion. Well, I can't, I, uh, the Word of God is your opinion. You see, the Word of God becomes you. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. The Word of God becomes you. And I don't care what anybody else tells you or what you think or what you believe or what you, it doesn't override the Word of God. So there's no justification. You can live your whole life. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to have anything to do with God. This is a bunch of baloney. Everybody in church is hypocrites and all those little false K 
calves you want to make. But the fact is, there is something to the Word of God. There is a reality of Jesus Christ. And everybody in church isn't hypocrites. Out in the world, you'll find more. But I will tell you this, there's relationship in the house of God that you need. Well, I don't have to go to church to be saved. That's true. But you need to be in church to stay saved. That's why it's important. That's why I want to be in the house of God. It's not my job or my calling. or my, I want to be in the house of God because I need that relationship that comes through each other and the Holy Spirit when we're here. We start at 5 o'clock tonight. Well, we have plans. Well, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. He has to deal with the shock that they've made of golden calf. So God tells Moses to go down. And so they begin to go back. And he has one man with him by the name of Joshua. You think faithfulness doesn't pay off? Joshua was a servant to Moses. What Joshua didn't know, one day God was going to say, Okay, Joshua... You have followed around. You've been around this enough to where now you're the man. Woo. What? Yeah, you're the man. He was faithful. Faithfulness in whatever you do puts you in a position for promotion in the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. It's a fact. Well, what can I be promoted to? Let God tell you because it'll, it'll, you'll like it. It's God's way of promoting you. In the kingdom. So they get ready to go down. And when they're going down and they get close to this area, carrying those testaments with him, in verse 17, the Bible says this when Joshua, here he is with him, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There's a noise of war in the camp. That means these folks are getting ready. Man, they're spiritually charged. They're getting ready to go out and fight. They're going to go out there and whip the devil. They're going to do great things. I hear noise of war in the camp. This is called mistaken identity. The different form of identity. A mistaken identity. There's noise of war in the camp. But he said, this is Moses, it's not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but it's the sound of singing that I hear. He said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, listen to me. This is why we don't worship worship in this house. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about we come to church and everybody does the Peter, Paul, and Mary sway and it's all, we're, we're, oh, I was so blessed while I was worshiping. Worship was never designed for you to be blessed. No, sir. It was designed to bless God, and in return, he pours his presence out on us. But don't forget the middleman. That's what we have to understand. When we worship God, that's why we don't worship worship here. It's so important that we do it the right way. Can somebody say amen? He says it's this noise. 
It's just noise, Joshua. And it's not good noise. Man, we can have religious romper rooms and we can all shout and jump and do everything. But if we're using, all right, here's where you listen to me close. When we're allowing false, when we're allowing little golden calves in our lives, we're replacing the fullness of God with something we've created. And we're pushing it down God's throat. And God doesn't swallow that stuff. Amen? Verse 19, as soon as he came near the camp, he saw, whoo, the next two words. He saw the calf. God told him. God made it aware to him. But when he got near, Moses saw the calf. God, you were telling me the truth. It's hard to believe what sometimes what the Lord's telling us. It's hard to believe that America's in the state it's in. It's hard to believe that we are where we are. But eventually, we're going to hear all the hoorah and think it's a shout of victory. And we're wondering, is that a shout of defeat? But we're going to see it's just noise. And all of a sudden, we'll see what's behind the noise is a replacement theology, a replacement for God, a watered-down approach to serving God. Moses, I guess in my own terms, his anger burned hot. He went nuts. He took the calf, and he said, let me show you. Let me show you the power in anything that you're placing in the place of God. Are you listening? you're listening online, listening, any little golden calf you're putting up there and telling God, this is okay, I think, I believe. There was a great king, could have been a great king by the name of Saul. He was the first king of Israel. And he was leading them, but he was, he was leading them his way, not God's way. His inauguration lasts like two years. It was crazy. What he spent. He didn't prepare for war or battle. Then here comes the Philistines. And he cries for Samuel. The prophet come. <clears throat> and, and, he, and, and, and Samuel says I'll be there like Wednesday at noon. So Wednesday morning. Monday, Tuesday. The enemy's getting closer. His army's getting more frightened. Because their leader's not really a leader. <clears throat> and Saul's trying to figure it all out and he goes Samuel's not going to come he he puts in his mind God's not going to answer me because he didn't come on my time frame and that is something you'll have to fight every day God didn't do it when I thought he should have he had to do it in this time frame and God says no that's your time frame not mine and what I do will be greater if you'll wait and on that day Saul did the unthinkable he takes the position of a Levite, which he cannot do, and he sacrifices an offering to God, which he's not available to do. He doesn't have the authority to do. He takes over the leadership and and the direction. He says, I'll do it myself. And when Samuel shows up like he said he would, when he said he would, Saul's standing there, and here's the flame and the fire, and here's the ram on the fire, and it's burning. And Samuel comes up and goes, what is going on? What's going on? 
because the circumstance was closing in. Some of you online and some of you right here, circumstances are closing in and you're tempted to do it yourself. Don't do it. Because here's what Saul said. When I heard my men saying they were going to rebel against me and run away, when I saw the enemy closing in around me, I thought three things. When I saw, when I heard, and when I thought. They all start with I. When I saw the circumstance. When I heard what was going on. When I thought, and because of that action, his kingdom was removed from him. The anointing was gone. He stayed in his position for almost 40 years, but his leadership was gone. It was nothing more than a hollow position that ultimately ended up in his suicide because he put a little false god. I didn't know these were false gods. They're called false identities, mixed identities, mistaken identities, and finally replaced identities replaced that's exactly what happened in this case Moses destroys it and tears it down he beats it into dust and pours it in the water and says okay drink it (laughs) you wanted it here drink it have a taste of what you think that you want God to do the way you want him to do it But the truth is, that's not how God works. Let me tell you about your identity very quickly in Christ. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 4. You'll see it up here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. I'm reading from the NLT. Romans 6, verse 4 says... For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We're getting ready to have a baptism service. Does that that save you? No. It's symbolic. We're getting ready to bring new memberships in. Does that save you? No. It's part of the family coming together in unity, which is important. But it said this, when we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. See, baptism means this. We emerge we are baptistry. We, t- we put you under and bring you up. And what it does, it symbolizes this. I was buried with Christ, and now I'm risen with Christ. What's the Scripture say? For when we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was, look at this, raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, have new lives. How come they're so quiet? I don't know. I don't know. It just says right here that when we ask God to be our identity, Jesus to be our identity, and we're saved, we're baptized, we're saying in baptism, the old me's gone and the new me's here. And it's not through my power, but it's through the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. We're showing that our identity is in Christ. 
Go to Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Word of God says, listen to this, I have been crucified with Christ. That means I've died to myself. I've died to myself. My thoughts, my ideas, what I believed, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Woo! Your identity has nothing to do with you, but it has everything to do with Jesus. Your identity is not anything you can do religiously or righteously. Has nothing to, your identity is completely and totally based on you becoming a child of God, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, and your identity now is Christ's identity. So our life is through Jesus, amen? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Woo! Man. My identity is in Jesus Christ. That's it. My total identity. People go, well, how do you deal with the world? I don't. I deal with the Word of God. Well, how are you aware of and open to, I'm not open to the world. Are you closed? Yes. Why? Because I have a new identity that doesn't need a supplement. I don't have to have the world's approval. I do not have to have society's approval. I'm not a dissident. I'm not being ugly or rebellious. I'm just saying my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. There's a story that I won't have scripture in the Old Testament of a prophet by the name of Elisha, the understudy of Elijah. A woman came to him and said, my, my husband was faithful. He was so faithful. In fact, he bankrupted us being faithful. He fed the prophets and hid them. This is a time where prophets had to be hidden from a wicked king that wanted to destroy them. And he, did, and he sold everything we had. Well, now he up and died. And I've got two sons. And... They're going to take them. They're going to, my, they're going to pay his debt with their captivity. I'm, and I'm a widow. I'm going, to, I'm going to starve. Is that what faithfulness gets me? I want to tell you something, folks. Many times you'll feel like God hasn't paid any attention to your faithfulness. But he has. Do you hear me? He has. Well, I don't see it. Well, hardy, har, har. You know, I, I, let me just tell you something. I was talking, to, uh, we were together today, Randy and Sharon, Ruth and I, and, and he, Randy used to have like 2010 vision. I had 2013 vision. Even that good vision can't see what God sees. Amen? Prophet says, well, go get your boys and go get out and get every bucket and broken, can, go find the things nobody wants. And bring them in here. 
She says, why? He said, you told me you were out of food. I am out of food. You told me you were out of everything except for a little jar of oil. And that has been delicately studied. It wasn't enough oil to heat the house. It wasn't enough oil to light the candles. It wasn't enough oil to cook food in. And it has absolutely been surmised by the best theologians that that oil that was there on that counter was the old man that went to heaven. It was anointing oil. So he says, just take a little anointing. That's what happens when you follow Jesus. That's what happens when we're saved. And the Holy Spirit involves himself. And we involve ourselves with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, he gives us a little oil. So they go out, and every neighbor that's got a broken bucket or a crack pot. You ever been a crack pot? I have. And you have too. On certain things. They got jars and rusty buckets and pitchers and things, and they brought it in, and the lady took the oil and started pouring. And every one of them were filled up. Oh, that's a great story. This isn't about that. This is a whole different angle on that story. They went out in trash piles and found broken, messed up rusty buckets and broken jars. They had flaws. They had cracks. They weren't wanted. They weren't needed. They had no purpose. But when the oil was poured in them, (laughs) they changed. They changed. You see, they became different just like you what's the title of the message this morning I don't know you wrote it let me find let me read it just exactly the way I have it listen to this your identity in the battle they brought a bucket in that was rusty and cracked and they filled that thing with oil and listen to me the identity of that bucket changed the identity of that broken jar changed they were no longer identified as useless or worthless they had an oil in them that was the highest grade oil that they had in the country And it sold for more, it was a fortune. And inside of every one of those cracked pots and broken cracked vessels and everything every one of us used to be, the Holy Spirit filled up with an oil. And the identity of that thing went from a bucket in the trash to a treasure by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this what's your identity? Is your identity in anything you've placed? And I know that I'm asking people that are saying, Pastor, I never thought about this before, but yeah, I can see some little golden calves in my life. When you go ahead and continue to read in chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, when Moses saw all of this, the Bible says that he went to the gate 
And he stood up and he said these words. And I say them to you this morning. Listen to me. Who's on the Lord's side? Who's going to stand for the right? And when he said it, the Levites, the priests stood in unison. And the word of God says that they stood for righteousness. And righteousness came and surrounded Moses. And when we call on God and when he calls on us, he's saying this to you watching online and you in this room this morning. He's saying in this world today that has thousands of false gods that are so tricky and perceptive that we have to look closely, but they don't follow the confines of religiosity or truth or the Word of God. They're outside of it. They make their own rules and say it's pretty, it's okay, it's great, and the truth is none of those things are true, but when we are there and we see what's going on today, the Word of God sing as you stand with me this morning. Stand please. I'm going to ask you One time, who's on the Lord's side?